Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap It to the Truth. Thank you for joining me with you as always. I'm your ever so humble host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic and scenic Roan County, Tennessee. Uh, of course, it is Sunday, and unfortunately, I had a bit of an issue with the studio, so I'm not broadcasting directly on BTR. I'm going to be recording and uploading. Hopefully, it will be a more interesting format as I'll have opportunity to, well, programming, so to speak. So uh, even though I am broadcasting live on Spreaker at the moment, so for those of you that do follow on Spreaker, if you are so inclined, uh, and of course, if you follow on Facebook and Twitter, uh, you should have gotten the notification that, yes, indeed, it is tapping to the truth, and it is definitely live on Spreaker. It's been a while since I've done that. And in honor of it being live on Spreaker, uh, let's take it old school just a little bit, because that is where I started broadcasting at, by the way. Uh, let's take it old school, just for the fun of it, before we get started. Uh, I've had the kind of day I need to have a little fun. Here's the old roll-in. Stay with me. Delving past the headlines. Sorting media bias, exposing the propaganda, and challenging you to use your brain. It's time to tap into the truth. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is indeed time to tap into the truth. Welcome to today's broadcast. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all of the usual caveats, of course. Yes, that's right, that was the original roll-in, and I still have to play it from time to time, just to remind me that that is what the 
idea of the show is. That's what the basic premise is. I want to talk to you. I want to give you my commentary. I want to have conversations with you if you are so inclined. We can interact either in the chat room or we can interact uh, directly through uh, social media, through email. You can send me an email directly at ttap at tapintothetruth.com if you're so inclined. And any good points you make or any points worthwhile, I'm more than happy to bring on to later episodes, later broadcasts, uh, you know, because it is an interactive thing, and it should be interactive, because this show is just as much yours as it is mine, uh, at least that's my take on it, uh, and since it's my show, then my take uh, matters, so it matters to me what you think, period. Now, if you disagree with me, uh, that's fine, uh, we're allowed to have different opinions. If uh, you think I'm a complete nut job, then what the crap are you listening for? Move on. <laughs> At any rate, a couple of quick hits before we get into the main stories. And of course, the title of today's broadcast is Repeal and Re... Wait, never mind. And that's for good reason by now. You know that uh, the repeal and replace efforts for the Obamacare, um, well, it got uh, got withdrawn. We'll talk a little bit more about that a little later. Also, uh, we've had continuing saga with the investigation into potential Russian involvement and collusion with the Trump candidates, Trump and the Trump candidacy, as people who were surrogates of the campaign seem to have been involved. That investigation continues, and we had some interesting. Uh, twist and turns this past week. We'll talk about that. Also, Dale Gorch, uh, he continues his quest to become the next justice of the Supreme Court. And, of course, it's going to take a monumental effort from Republicans to make that happen, as the Senate Democrats, Chuck Schumer leading the way, has sworn to filibuster. Not sure what the problem is. Yeah, actually, I am pretty sure what the problem is. We'll talk about that, too. But before we get into any and all of that wonderful stuff, I wanted to be real quick with giving you uh, a heads up in regards to something that may have flown by the, uh, by the wayside. You may not have been picking it up uh, it's been kind of a quiet story. Some folks have talked about it. It's kind of been ignored as a business story as much as anything else. But uh, you see, it seems that uh, Google has gotten itself into a bit of a quandrum. It's a political correctness quantum, actually. You see, Google Google's a giant in the tech world and possibly even the king of the internet. There's no question. It's Power is vast. Its financials are difficult for small governments to fathom. But uh, it seems to have run into a bit of an issue. Its primary focus in the past, its biggest money uh, making stream, comes from, well, ad placement. So the cash value of the company is absolutely astronomical, and a huge percentage of their capital stream comes from advertising. 
And why not? I mean, you can hardly do anything online without spending some time, maybe just a little, but if you're on for more than 15 minutes, then you're going to spend some time utilizing at least one of the properties that is owned by Google, whether that be a search engine, one of the websites, or whatever. With so much revenue dollars on the line, and there are a lot of those dollars, by the way, each and every promotional opening or missed opportunity is a big deal. It's crucial. So Google has understandably invested a great deal of time and money into their marketing strategy, which involves using their technology across multiple platforms, most of which has become automated. The ability to put your ads on Google well, on Google-owned sites, puts your brand in front of more eyes on a daily basis than spending a small fortune on a 30-second Super Bowl spot could. And while Google will happily take your money to <clears throat> create a custom solution to your advertising needs, regardless of your business size, they built their internet empire on ad revenue from major corporate accounts. That's where the money is, folks. Now the revenue stream's in danger, however, uh, not because of a failure to provide the promised number of views, not because of a technical glitch preventing would-be customers from making contact with the company featured in the ads. In fact, the ad service is working exactly as sold to the companies buying the ads. The problem is not a technical issue, but an image issue. See, many large companies, they spend millions of dollars to create an image, to brand their product, to entice customers. With that kind of investment, it's reasonable that those companies would want to protect their brand and control who and what their brand is associated with. Many companies, especially if they already have a solid percentage of the market share, would rather not advertise at all than to have an ad campaign turn into a PR nightmare. And here's where the issue with Google comes in. By now, if you spend any time on YouTube, which is a Google-owned entity, you're painfully aware that you can't watch a video without seeing an ad. You may have noticed that you see a lot of the same ads, but if you're watching on someone else's computer, then you'll see different ads. This is because, like a lot of other folks, they're using cookies or other similar spyware to monitor where you've been, digitally, of course, and uh, what you've been looking at in order to select what kind of goods and services you might be most interested in so they can <clears throat> maximize ad effectiveness. Now, recently... It came to the attention of some companies that were using YouTube ads that their promotional spots were popping up on videos that the companies absolutely did not want to have their products associated with the Lucky Land Slots. You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In any form or fashion whatsoever. We're talking about hate speech videos and propaganda for ISIS and, you know, videos like that. Now, this upset some advertisers to the point that a boycott is underway in the United Kingdom, and now it seems to be spreading to the United States. First, AT&T, and then a little bit later, Verizon, became the first U.S. companies to withdraw from uh, Google's non-search platforms as far as the advertising is concerned, riding a wave of backlash against the perceived inappropriate ad placements. In a statement from AT&T, they said, quote, We are deeply concerned that our ads may have appeared alongside YouTube content promoting terrorism and hate. Until Google can ensure this won't happen again, we are removing our ads from Google's non-search platform. And, like I said, a little later, Verizon uh, joined them, and they made a similar statement, saying, quote, We take careful measure to ensure our brand is not impacted negatively. Once we are notified that our ads were appearing on non-sanctioned websites, we took immediate action to suspend this type of ad placement and launched an investigation. We're working with all of our digital advertising partners to understand the weak links so we can prevent this from happening in the future. Really? Don't believe for a second that neither AT&T nor Verizon understand how spyware works. And don't let them fool you into thinking that by this time, this point in the game, their digital advertisement, as if you'll recall, AT&T also provides internet service. They're very much aware of the types of things that Google does. They're very much aware of how these digital ads work. So they know that, point in fact, it's more about the individual watching these hate speech videos and these propaganda for jihadist videos than it has anything to do with AT&T or Verizon or anything that Google did. YouTube does what YouTube does, and generally they trap people into watching for hours on end, uh, sometimes pointless, sometimes informative videos. And they pay for it by putting ads there. At any rate, these two companies are among the largest in the U.S. that advertise on YouTube. There are several U.S. companies that advertise there, or did, but these are two of the five biggest. While both companies were very clear, and I hope you paid attention to this, they were very clear that they're not leaving Google completely. They're not about to leave the search engine. They're not about to leave other 
website, they're just leaving their non-search platform, which was a kind and gentle way of saying YouTube. But the point of the fact is that they weren't even completely withdrawing from all of the non-search platforms. They just wanted off YouTube. But it's a general statement that still gives them plenty of room so that you don't freak out if you're using Google search later and all of a sudden you see an AT&T ad go, oh, I thought they said they stopped this. Well, they stopped on YouTube. And you know what? I actually have not even... Uh, hopped on YouTube since I read this article to see uh, if there's, see if I can find one of these ads on here. Because I do think it was very clear as well that they were only withdrawing until they got certain guarantees. At any rate, all both these companies were very clear that they're not leaving Google completely. This still represents a large chunk of income for the internet juggernaut. The part that is more concerning, however, is that while businesses have every right to protect their brand, there's also a level of political correctness to this action. In our modern age, there are three places where you can expect a piling-on effect with a PC cause. The legislative branch of the U.S. government, uh, Hollywood, and in the business world. So, once a company the size of AT&T or Verizon publicly withdraw their advertising dollars, others will follow suit. The irony here is that companies like Google have often been the champion of PC causes and have been among the most vocal in explaining how hugging a tree is an adequate solution for society's ills. While I'm quite certain that the internet titan will find a fix for the issue in short order and lure their advertising customers back with the sheer volume of potential views, aka most bang for the advertising buck, this will still cost the company a significant sum of capital. And more importantly for YouTube and Google as a whole, possibly leave a long-lasting tarnish on their reputation which is a bigger deal for them. I'm not certain at this point exactly what their hope in dealing with this is. It would appear that uh, when it comes right down to it, they just automated their software too much. It seems like they should be able to Go in, uh, write a few new lines of code to their uh, software program that delineates uh, the search patterns and picks which ads go where. Because it's not a matter of for the video. It's a matter of for the viewer. So if they do this, it may take a little time for them to work out the kinks, get the bugs worked out. But... Uh, We'll see what happens. I think it certainly should be interesting. Uh, how much will this end up costing them? Probably near as, not near as much as some folks would like to make it out. And, uh, you know, it's not like I'm sitting here rooting against Google. I, I know some folks, uh, especially some conservative talk show hosts, who 
are little more to the conspiratorial side of things that are still so anti-Google that it's scary. Uh, Google is the evil that's hiding in the dark. They are the NSA's creation. Google is how they're surveilling us all. There's a lot of truth to that, by the way, so I don't dismiss them offhand, and I suggest you don't either. But uh, at the end of the day, Google employs a lot of folks, although some of them uh, tend to be a bit snooty with the I'm better than you attitudes. Uh, those folks need a reality check. But they employ a lot of people, and they've made life better for a lot of folks, and they have helped to bring through Google search engine a wealth of information to your fingertips. So in the grand scheme of things, I take their existence as a plus. And like I said, I don't think that this is going to be much more than a bump in the road for them. But the fact that it has started to garner so much attention is something that they're going to have to uh, address. And I'll leave it at that. So uh, that's one of the potential stories in the uh, sections of stories you may have missed this week. Uh, let's go ahead and let's jump into the uh, repeal and replace now. We'll come back to some of the other uh, segments later. I do plan on having a, uh, a headline you may have missed and culture war segment as uh, actually one of the stories kind of fits into both categories. We'll get to those a little bit later. But right now, let's talk about the repeal and replace effort. Uh, last week, I had an interview with a senatorial candidate from Arizona, Dr. Kelly Ward. And uh, one of the things that she has set apart is her distrust of the Republicans' plan to replace Obamacare. Well, as we know now, originally they had scheduled a vote on Thursday. They found out they didn't have the votes to pass it. So they postponed it, hoping to schedule a vote on Friday. Well, Friday came, and they debated, and they talked, and they had backroom deals. And then, before it was all said and done... Paul Ryan made the one phone call to Donald Trump that you, as the Speaker of the House, never want to place to a president of the same party that has entrusted you to move forward with the legislative agenda goal. He recommended that the repeal and replace bill be withdrawn, effectively killing it possibly for this uh, session. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So it doesn't have to. The administration's now saying that they're going to move forward. They're going to uh, move on to tax reform. They're going to try to do a few other uh, easier things. If you, uh, the phrase low hanging fruit has been thrown around by more than a few commentators. Uh, the bottom line is they're going to count this as a loss and they're conceding that the other side won and they want to move on instead of continuing the fight. Now, I, for one, am not in favor of the bill as it was presented. Now, although a big part of the reason I'm not happy with the bill as it was presented is because the whole thing wasn't presented. It was designed to be broken up into three sections. And Okay, we're going to do this part now, and then we'll go back and do this part later, and then uh, a third part yet uh, after that. Now, I don't know how long you've been paying attention, how long you've been watching Congress, how long you've watched what goes on, what transpires in the halls of Congress. But uh, whenever somebody puts something like that off, it never gets finished. It continues to be changed and it continues to evolve. And there would never have been a future for this. So the bill as presented would not have repealed Obamacare. In fact, it did leave a lot of the worst aspects of Obamacare in place. So now what's happening is exactly what I suspected would happen. At first, publicly, on Friday, President Trump and several members of the Speaker's staff uh, blamed the lack of support from Democrats and try to play it off as if this was all about them still trying to take the rest of America down with the failing policy that's imploding and going to explode. And then today, today, Sunday, March the 26th, 2017, Donald Trump, are smiling today thanks to certain members thanks to certain members of the Republican Party he's talking about the Freedom Caucus boys and girls in case you don't get it he's blaming the people who stood on principle who wanted to do what the American people sent them to Washington to do in favor of taking a deal that they saw that they recognized only repealed Obamacare in name. Just like Obamacare was the Affordable Health Care and Patient Protection Act, only in name. Rhino care was a really good word for this because not just because of the Republicans in name only, but this was repeal in name only. It doesn't work. It would not have done for the American people, what was promised to the American people. 
And today, listening to the media, regardless of the media source, including Fox News, the attack against the Freedom Caucus and this notion that somehow we must, must have some federal government answer for the failings of the insurance companies to provide health care. Now, we've talked about this before, ad nauseum, and I really don't want to get into the depths of it one more time. But let's just touch on the highlights again, shall we, just in case there's someone new listening for the first time. Just in case somebody for the first time ever decided today's the day they're going to listen in to something about why Republicans want to repeal Obamacare. The federal government has no authority under the Constitution to compel a person to buy a product. That's what insurance is. Insurance is not a guarantee of protection. Insurance is a hedge. Insurance is something that when you are in a position to do so, you spend a little of your extra money now to protect yourself from potentially larger losses later. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about car insurance or homeowner's insurance or health insurance. It's meant to be a way for you to protect yourself down the road. It is not your access to health care. Your access to health care is already legally protected. In the United States, you cannot be refused emergency treatment based on your ability to pay. Now, they'll spend a lot of time, a lot of years in some cases, trying to collect the money that they feel that you owe them in the event that you receive services that you couldn't afford. But that is not access to health care. People want to make this deal about the wellness checks and all this. Then fine, let's do something at the state level that doesn't involve insurance. Now, if you want... Insurance companies are always more than capable of writing up policies that would encourage some things. Aflac, for example, has made an entire business model by being a supplemental cash-based uh, insurance provider that helps you and does certain things to encourage you to keep your health in better check. But there is no guarantee for health care in this country. There's not a right to health care. Now, people want to say, you've got a right to be healthy. You've got a right to take care of yourself. Rights are many, and rights are not granted. I repeat, not granted by the federal government, by the state government, by city or county facilities. Rights are bestowed upon you by the Creator, the Almighty, God in His throne in heaven. That is who grants you your rights. You have a right to choose. You have a right to be smart. You have a right to take care of yourself. Obamacare was designed from the beginning to fail, and that is exactly what it's doing. It is collapsing in and on itself, and it had no choice. It wasn't meant to be successful. 
They, in this case being the National Democratic Party, believed that once they had Barack Hussein Alu Akbar Obama in office, that he would have eight years, and then they would have whoever they chose after that, as it turned out Hillary Clinton, to continue these policies even further. They believed that once the implosion took place, to the extent that it's about to, that the American people would clamor to the government, please fix this, save us from this mess. You created it, you fix it. Now, in a world where personal responsibility exists, in a world where people actually are held accountable and actually have to make good on their mistakes and have to make good on their promises, that's a reasonable expectation. But our federal government has a wonderful track record of wasting money and making things worse. I would challenge you, I would challenge you, any of you listening, to find for me an occasion where the federal government has stepped in and actually made things better across the board, long term. If you can find more than if you can find more than a couple, I might even uh, make a full retraction to the statement. If you find one or two, I'll just call those anomalies and we'll move on. The point is, the federal government wanted this to collapse, but uh, they wanted the American people to come to them and ask them to fix it. And the next step was to move us yet closer to a single-payer system, the holy grail of the left, full-on socialized medicine. Regardless of what that would do to the quality of care here in the country, regardless of what that would do to the amount of time required for you to wait, because if you think it's a big deal to wait for a specialist right now, try having to wait that long on a primary care position. It's common. Now, it's not the case all the time. Uh, in Canada, it's a little bit faster. They've streamlined it. They've they've actually done decent in Canada with it. But there's still a reason why the people who can afford to come to the United States for health care from Canada, there's a reason why they do it. And it's not because our doctors are so much better than the doctors in Canada. I wish they... I wish I could say that. I would love to. Oh, everything's better in America. Yeah, it's great. We're awesome. Uh, most of the doctors in Canada get the same level of training. In fact, a lot of them actually train in America. So, you know, the doctors aren't that much better here. It's because they can actually get seen in a time frame where their medical issues can actually be addressed. They wanted to move us to the system, and they knew this would be one step along the way that would actually make the American people stand up and call for it, scream for it, demand it, and still allow the politicians that created this mess in the first place to sit back and point fingers and blame the evil, greedy insurance companies. That was their idea. That was their thought. That was their mentality. So now it's failed. 
And now President Trump is saying, maybe we should just let it fail rather than try to fix it. Here's the simple way to fix it. Repeal. Why couldn't you just move a straight repeal and then, then go back and try and do the things that you think will fix? You really feel the need to replace it? There's only a few places. There's only a few areas in which our federal government has any legal authority, despite what they've given themselves with the passage of Obamacare in the first place, and the Supreme Court upholding Obamacare twice in the first place, wrongly so on both counts, I might add. The federal government gave itself extra constitutional authority at that point. The federal government has been giving itself extra constitutional authority for better than 100 plus years now. They've been picking up speed lately. They've been doing this because that's what they do. That's why the establishment Republicans don't want to vote on straight repeal now. They want to talk about, oh, transitioning from the opposition party to the governing party has some growing pains. Well, yes, Paul Ryan, it does. But the biggest growing pain is how about actually legislating under constitutional constrainment and providing to the American people what you promised you would do? Let's do the straight repeal. They have enough votes to make that happen, and they can use the same budgetary trickery that the Democrats used to ram Obamacare down our throat in the first place. So the threat of a filibuster, you don't even have to change the rules. You can avoid it completely. And then as far as passing laws, making insurance companies more responsible, giving them fewer outs, more regulation. Then pass your regulation. Do you think it'll help? Let states run the experiments and see what happens there. There is nowhere that says the state government doesn't have uh, the power to do some of the things that Obamacare did. And certainly not all things. They don't. They never, never had the authority to tell you that you must purchase. You must buy a service or a good. But that's exactly what Obamacare does. They do that or they charge you, according to the Supreme Court, a tax. And Congress has the power to tax. Although technically they're supposed to tax you on things you actually do, not tax you on things you don't do. But I'll digress from that for a moment. The Supreme Court calls it a tax. The Obama administration didn't want it referred to as
we all have a shared responsibility with one another. And, you know, that's all well and good. As a philosophy, I don't even disagree with it necessarily on the front. But when it comes to the dollars that I earn, I have a right to decide how I'm going to spend them. I have a right to decide how much I'm going to save. And I have a right to decide who outside of my immediate circle of family I'm going to help. The federal government, as given to us by our framers and our founders, does not have the legal right or authority to use armed agents to come and forcibly take my money if I choose not to give it to them, just so that they can redistribute it, regardless of what the good intention may be. So now we're facing this really, really interesting uh, kickback from the media. The mainstream media, all of which, Fox News included, is out here telling America that uh, this is a failure. Donald Trump failed. Well, Donald Trump had about as much to do with this as Barack Obama had to do with Obamacare, which is to say... He set it back, he let other people write it, he let other people push it, and then he just put his weight behind trying to get it passed. He wants it done, not because he's taken the time to really look at the bill and see what it accomplishes, but so that he can once again pad his resume and one more time go in front of cameras and tear the, tell the American people, I've kept another campaign promise. But as much as the media wants to hang this on Donald Trump, Trump supporters are going to see this a different way. They want Obamacare repealed. They do. A lot of Americans, even non-Trump supporters, want Obamacare repealed. The requirements are too heavy. The burden is too much on too many lower to middle-income middle families. There are some people, yes, congratulations, you have insurance for the first time in your life. But for those people with the pre-existing conditions and they could never get coverage, they're not using insurance like insurance. They're using it like a benefit. That was never what insurance was meant to be. Insurance can immediately become more affordable if we can get a return to market-based values where individuals are able to pick and choose from what types of coverage they actually need. Myself, as a male, I do not need coverage for, um, well, let's say, maternal care. All right? I'm not going to go to the hospital and give birth to a child. I don't need any of that kind of coverage. Don't make me pay for that. Uh, there are women that do not need uh, coverage for prostate exams because they don't have prostates. And of course, all the trans folks uh, non uh, not uh, figuring into this part of the conversation. 
it, it's astounding to me that we're facing this, but the Freedom Caucus folks are being blamed now as of today. And even Rance Priebus was getting heat from like the New York Times. They're trying everybody wants to point a finger and everybody wants to say, why did this fail? Why did we not get rid of Obamacare? You had Paul Ryan and Nancy Mimi Pelosi out telling the world that yay, victory is ours. Well this is what uh, Nancy Pelosi was saying. No uh, Paul Ryan was not saying victory is ours, but uh, Nancy Pelosi was out there with smiles, barely containing herself. Ha ha, we won and we didn't even have to stop you. That's because a group of people stood on the principle that they promised the American people that they would actually make a real change, that they would actually repeal Obamacare, not just pass a bill Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That says we repealed it, but nothing really changed, or at least the worst parts of it didn't change. The way this bill would have worked, this notion that we have to replace it with something still continues to stick in my crawl. We do not have to replace it with something. We don't. We don't have to. We can if we want to. But we don't have to replace it with anything. But, but wait, what about those people that won't have insurance? And what about the people that can't afford the insurance without the, the tax credits? Well, they're right back where they were before Obamacare. They're right back to having to be responsible for their own care. Expensive and unfortunate as that may be, yes, but there is no reason why the rest of the nation, there is no reason why every single person in the country should be penalized because you have a medical issue. Now, I know, yes, oh, that's mean, Tim. How dare you? You sound evil. You sound like one of them. No, I sound realistic because before Obamacare happened, uh, I had about for about two years with an illness. I was fortunate enough to be able to come all the way back from it. There was a time there about a year and a half in where I didn't think that was going to happen. I was responsible for me. I got some help. Some friends did what they could. Family did what they could. And then church organizations, even a couple from churches other than where I attended, they stepped up. They did a lot, and they helped. That kind of help is still there. So we go back to the simple 
eloquent argument of what is the role of the federal government. This is not a debate. It's not something we should have to discuss. Uh, you want it to do more? Oh, I don't mind my taxpayer dollars going for that. Then take your personal dollars and give them to these organizations that do this kind of work. And let the federal government be exactly what the federal government was intended to be. Because even though you see, you're watching right now, something good, something helpful for people in need. What I see, what is reality, is the simple fact that each and every time that the federal government takes a hint of uh, extra constitutional authority for itself, it is, in fact, establishing a little bit stronger, a little bit harder tyranny from the soft tyranny we're currently living in. There will come a day, some point down the road, where you will wish you had listened to people like me when we warned you about this happening. But that's only if you don't listen. That's only if you let this continue. So please, please pay attention. Now, as far as how this will play out, well, the administration says it's moving on. The uh, GOP says it's moving on. They want to start working towards tax reform. But let's keep in mind here, too, this date, this hardline date that was put forth, it was an arbitrary date. There is no reason, there was no reason other than optics and PR to make this date the date that Obamacare had to be repealed. There are a lot of good people in the House and the Senate that could still be working towards moving this bill forward. or. I would prefer a better bill, a cleaner bill. And I, I'm already tired of hearing the people talking about how we're making the good the enemy of the perfect. Uh, we've got to make it perfect. No, we don't have to make it perfect, but you do perfectly need to follow the Constitution. And the Constitution says the federal government shouldn't be in this mess. Repeal. You want to look at regulations. You want to look at forcing states to open up their guidelines. You want to look at trying to uh, make the industry more competitive, thinking that affordable insurance does improve your access to health care. Then take those steps. Look at it. Argue them. Work. Look at them individually. Stop trying to bulk it all together. It doesn't all have to be done at once. But do not offer me up something that promises stages. Work on it. Pass it. Pass what you got, then start working on the next thing. I don't know what else I can say, folks. I don't know what else I can say. All right, I'm going to take a real quick break, and then uh, when we get back, we will shift gears to the next story. So stay with me. I'll be right back.
right, ladies and gentlemen, I am back. Thanks for staying with me. Just a real quick short break, and uh, whew, I needed it. My throat was getting awful dry. Anyway, uh, we're here, and we were, of course, talking about the repeal and replace failure. Only I don't think it was a failure. All right, here's here's the takeaway. First of all, Trump supporters are not going to hold Trump on this. He is not liable. Democrats are going to try to pin it on him. The media is trying to pin it on him. But at the end of the day, Trump supporters are going to hold Paul Ryan accountable for this. And, and predictably, they've already started calling for his replacement as Speaker of the House. Paul Ryan's not a great Speaker of the House anyway. Maybe he should. I mean, I, I actually used to like Paul Ryan. This was some time ago, of course. Uh, Paul Ryan had me. He was a, a policy guy. He was good on taxes. He was good on budget. Uh, but uh, he lost me a few years back when he tried to balance a budget to open up more dollars for illegal immigrants by taking money away from already depleted uh, Veterans Affairs Fund. So, um, you know, Paul Ryan, he lost me that day. I have not come back. I, I don't, I don't know how much of this was his fault either. They took a policy plan that ultimately would not have relinquished any of federal authority over your health care. And they wrote it up and claimed that that was a repeal. But all you keep hearing now, all I heard today from the media and all I heard yesterday from the media, they hardly even said repeal. They kept talking about replace, replace, we have to replace, we have to replace. As soon as repeal and replace became the narrative, we were stuck. Obamacare was here to stay that minute. Because now, no matter what we do, until we have enough people in the House and in the Senate and sitting in the White House with enough intestinal fortitude and the political will to stand up and do what's right based not on the whininess of a small group of Democrats, but to do the right thing based on the Constitution and what's best for the country as a whole, we are going to be stuck with Obamacare in some form or another. And that's exactly what we would have got if this Rhino Care bill had passed. So, and by the time this is all said and done, if this forces them back to the drawing board that actually brings forth another bill that will repeal Obamacare and they replace it with some common sense stuff that they can push through, then congratulations, it will be a victory. And it'll be a much bigger victory than passing this bill now would have been. Plain and simple. All right, uh, let's move on to the next topic now. Uh, the House Intelligence Committee has had its hands full. There seems to be a partisan split going on, but uh, some stuff really, really kind of happened uh, this, uh, this past week, which uh, was interesting uh, in so much as uh, Devin Nunes who is the uh, current setting chairman of the uh, House Intelligence Committee. He came across some information during their investigation into this notion that somehow or another uh, the Trump campaign and 
Russian government officials were colluding to defeat the big bad. Uh, <clears throat> well, I'm not going to say the last part. Uh, to beat Hillary Clinton. A big bad. Uh, yeah, I think you know what I was going to say. At any rate, this collusion is hinted at because of who Donald Trump selected to be part of his group. When you look at some of these people like General Flynn, General Flynn was working uh, with some Russian government people to begin with. So obviously he had the ties. It was that relationship, that level of respect and familiarity that Donald Trump was hoping to draw on. But the Democrats instantly wanted to try and make that a negative. And make no mistake about it, General Flynn left. He resigned because he was going to be fired, but it had nothing to do with the conversation with anyone from Russia. It had everything to do with the fact that he wasn't completely forthcoming with Mike Pence, the vice president. They came away feeling as if that was intentional on Flynn's part, and the trust was broken, so he could no longer be effective in that role. That's why he's gone. The Democrats did not win that fight. Michael Flynn lost that fight. The Democrats did not win it. There are other people also. Rex Tillerson. Uh, when he was CEO of ExxonMobil, he had a lot of dealings with the Russian government. There are a lot of people inside the Trump administration that through the business world has had dealings with the Russian government. And in each and every one of these cases, it's a good thing. There is no collusion going on. There is no uh, Russian influence as far as uh, they're taking over the world. Uh, Donald Trump is not a Manchurian candidate. The Democrats practically sold the Lincoln bedroom to North Koreans. But at the end of the day, they want to uh, make Donald Trump into this guy who's in bed with the Russians. Now, Donald Trump may be many things. Some of them good, some of them not so good. But Donald Trump is not somebody that is easily influenced by people. He listens. He makes up his own mind. That's what leaders do, whether you're in the business world or the political world. You listen, but then you still make up your own mind and you move forward. That's what you do. That's what he does. So, Nunez. Devin, he comes across some information that surprises him to the point that he feels that it's necessary to report to Donald Trump. He goes directly to the White House. Now, the Democrats on the committee, they go through the roof. He went to Donald Trump before he even uh, briefed the committee. 
So the committee doesn't know what information he was going to share. This shows partisanship. This shows his inability to actually run an investigation into the, in their minds, reality of the connection. Now, at this point, I find it hard to believe that there's any Democrat holding on to the notion, to the idea, to the concept, to the very uh, insinuation that Hillary Clinton lost the election because of mm, the Russians. It's absurd. It's simple politics. Now, I know the Democrats have kind of lost touch with the average person. They have. And I understand that. But this shows a loss of touch that goes beyond even the understanding of how they can be vital. How can they be a viable party when they're so far out of touch as to believe that the best candidate they could put out to be president of the United States was someone who had already run once before and couldn't beat a relative unknown in the primary? Yes, that's right. Barack Hussein Alu Akbar Obama was essentially an unknown when he first ran for president. We had seen him at the Democratic National Committee that nominated John Kerry. Before that, unless you were from Chicago, you didn't know this guy. And even if you were from Chicago, there was a 50-50 shot, you didn't know this guy. He didn't exactly have a big political footprint. He wasn't exactly a known commodity. But he used the race card quite effectively, and he was able to move past Hillary Clinton. Now, Hillary was unable to beat an unknown in the primary. Now, she moves ahead. Eight years later, she's once again running for president, and she's actually not faring particularly well against a socialist who's only running as a Democrat to try and get Democratic money uh, to assist in the national campaign. He's not a Democrat. He's acknowledged as not being a Democrat. Uh, several DNC operatives have multiple times come out and said point blank, Bernie Sanders is not a Democrat. Okay, Bernie Sanders isn't a Democrat. He's a Democratic Socialist. Isn't that what they call the Nazis? Yes, yes it is, but uh, that's another story. So, she couldn't beat Barack. She's actually wasn't beating Bernie without a heck of a lot of help and uh, thank you, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and states that allow <clears throat> superdelegates. Without the superdelegates, she wouldn't have had near as much momentum going into the stretch. And had this thing stayed close down the stretch, Bernie Sanders may very well have won that nomination if this had been a straight election. They didn't cheat. They just set up the rules where it was... Kind of like cheating. Well, let's face facts. If you're a Bernie supporter, you did get robbed. If you're Bernie Sanders, you did get cheated. 
but you were cheated in accordance with the rules that the DNC had put in place specifically for this. Now, do I blame Bernie Sanders for not doing better? No. But the Democratic Party still blames the Russians because Hillary Clinton, who couldn't beat Barack Obama, who couldn't beat Bernie Sanders without help, who was under FBI investigation, who was not particularly well-liked by, I don't know, you picked a group, Secret Service, back when Bill was in office, um, you know, anybody, just pick a group. She doesn't come across as a likable person. In fact, uh, have you ever heard the term resting bitch face? Ordinarily, that's a term I wouldn't use on the air, but uh, this is a, a serious condition that affects a lot of people. But uh, I'm pretty sure Hillary Clinton is actually the creator of resting bitch face. Because I'm pretty sure, you know, you, you've seen her when she's just standing there. If she's not intentionally trying to smile, she just looks like she's ready to uh, eat the head off of uh, anybody that gets put in front of her. And she talks much that same way. You can tell when she's giving a speech and she's trying to sound upbeat and positive and relatable, you can hear the strain in her voice as she says these things. And even then, more often than not, she comes across so condescending. She's speaking down to everyone who is not her, her family included. Don't even get me started on this Chelsea Clinton Award thing, too. Ooh, Lifetime Impact Award. Uh, how does someone in their 30s have a lifetime impact on anything? They're still young, boys and girls. Anyway, uh, we'll talk a little more about that in a minute. So the Democrats are still convinced the reason... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They lost the election. No, no, no. It wasn't because Hillary's just not a very good candidate. It's not because Hillary was under FBI investigation. It's not because she's a freaking criminal, uh, unethical, with a body count around her that's at least questionable. Now, I'm not, I'm not putting my tinfoil hat on here. I'm not uh, like a lot of folks claim out here saying that uh, she has these people off, but. Uh, there is an unusually large body count around the Clintons since they got married and started their political life. 
so much so that I think it is worthy of noting. Could it be a coincidence? Certainly. It certainly could be a coincidence. Maybe it is. I mean, if you ask me to step back and say that, uh, yeah, Hillary Clinton's going around killing people, no, nah, I'm not going to say that. But what I am going to say is Hillary's not a very good candidate, period. And despite the last, at best efforts to prop her up, she didn't have the kind of resume that would make you think she would be a good president anyway. She spent some time as a senator. She spent some time as the first lady. What else? What else is in her resume that would actually make her a good president? Because I got bad news for you, boys and girls. Being the first lady doesn't qualify you to be the president. The job titles are very different. In fact, until fairly recently, there wasn't that much of a job title involved. Just don't embarrass the president. When you're married to Bill Clinton, that's got to be pretty easy. He's going to be doing enough of that on his own. Yeah, Basically, all you have to do is just not, I don't know, sneeze on somebody at a state dinner in front of uh, national cameras or something. It would take a lot to be the thing that embarrasses Bill Clinton. Just saying. Now, um, yeah, of course, naturally, being the first lady has evolved into more. They push policies, they get their pet projects, and they move forward, and they try to be community organizers, and yeah, same old, same old Basically a bunch of crap. But none of those things equate to being presidential. In fact, the only reason you have any influence at all is because you're associated with the president. Not that you are presidential. Not in any form or fashion. It should not. Should not be surprised to left. And now, as far as being a senator, well, while she was in the Senate, what did she actually do? Now, I'm not even conceding that being a senator is something that really sets you up to be a good president. It's very different to be on the legislative side of things than it is to be on the executive side. Now, I would grant that there is nothing wrong with having some legislative experience. It could be helpful in being the top executive. But I would take a governor over a senator or a congressman any day of the week because they have already done the executive thing. The roles are different. Now, if you've been a governor and a senator, okay, that's fine. Then you've seen it from both sides. You know how it works. Congratulations. Now I'm starting to take your resume seriously. But if you've only been a senator and you weren't a particularly effective senator at anything, then no. That's not resume building. Uh, that's just you happen to be, I don't know, your name was recognized enough to get yourself elected in New York. 
I mean, after your husband was a two-term president, I would hope that you would have enough name recognition to get yourself uh, elected at some level. And, uh, you know, I, I I like New York. I've been to New York. I, there's a lot of great people in New York, but unfortunately, a lot of those great people tend to vote in a fashion that concerns me about their knowledge of what the role of government's supposed to be. They've embraced an ideology that thinks that uh, the federal government should be more encompassing and should be more powerful. Uh, I would try to dissuade them from that viewpoint. And if I was successful at dissuading them from that viewpoint, I'm pretty sure people like Hillary Clinton would never get elected in their districts. People like Chuck Schumer could never get elected. Uh, but alas, I I cannot uh, go house to house, door to door, and dissuade these people of this notion of Democrats good, Republicans bad, blah, blah, blah. Well, what about policy? Policy doesn't enter into the equation a lot of times in those conversations. If we can make it about policy, I'm pretty sure we'd all be surprised at about how much we all actually do agree on. But alas, that's just a pipe dream. So at any rate, we've got this... I really went down the rabbit hole with that tangent. Because we're still talking about uh, the House Intelligence Investigation. Now here's the deal. There's really two separate issues going on with this investigation. And everybody keeps trying to lump them into the same thing. On the one hand, the names of these people, Trump surrogates, or maybe even Donald Trump himself on some uh, level with some of these communications, their name did get caught up in these sweeps while they were watching these agents of the Russian government. Now, that is completely legal, and it's actually expected. That by itself does not constitute that there was any kind of collusion going on with the Trump campaign and the Russian government to make things under a Trump administration much more Russian-friendly uh, to the detriment of the American people, as the Democrats are insinuating. In fact, all it actually means, in its truest form, is that one or two of these people may have had their name mentioned. Now, obviously, there's more than that going on, but at its base, this is how this collection gets started. So, is there some big, scary issue going on with uh, the Trump administration in Russia? Uh, it's, no. It's just not. I'm sorry. You're trying to make something out of nothing. But the Republicans and the uh, Trump surrogates are really doing themselves a disservice by trying to connect and doing the debate and switch of changing the topic from uh, our people were named in this to you leaked this and that's illegal. Because it is illegal. But again, it's a separate issue. And it's the kind of separate issue that needs to be treated separately. Let's stop trying to tie it. Let's stop doing the typical political thing. Because you know what? We elected Donald Trump here in the United States 
to not be a politician. So stop trying to use the politician's dirty tricks in dealing with the issue. Be straightforward with it. Say for what it is. Speak loud. Speak proud. Make your point. The American people will follow. They are smarter than a lot of uh, politicians tend to think we are. So just speak the truth. Stay with the truth. And stop using political doublespeak to try and protect yourself. The fact that there is indeed no big conspiracy, the folks will get that, okay? Just be honest, the folks will get it. However, that doesn't mean ignore the fact that, uh, well, Obama did change the rules in the last days of his presidency. He made sure that a lot of this information could be freely shared between multiple agencies. The rules and the law previous to this campaign getting caught up in this investigation prohibited that. It didn't allow it. He couldn't do it. So the question is, why would Obama, and this is Obama, not his administration, not his underlings, not any level of plausible deniability. It took Barack Hussein, Allah Akbar, Obama himself to give this order. Unless, of course, Valerie Jarrett did it on his behalf. I mean, let's face facts. Valerie Jarrett was running things way more than Barack Obama was at any point in his eight years occupying the White House. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. But at the end of the day, it took Barack Obama to change that rule. So this got shared. What was the purpose of sharing? To preserve the evidence, like they said? Or to greatly increase the chances of this information getting leaked? These leaks are a violation of federal law. These people's names are supposed to be protected unless there's an actual investigation involving the individuals, there is no reason for the names to have ever been made public. And even then, they're only made public once charges are filed. General Flynn's name being thrown out, that was a violation of the law. And that's an issue that we really do need to focus on. We need to pay closer attention. We have got to send people to prison for this. Period. Somebody needs to go to jail. Because if you don't enforce this law, if we're going to just ignore the fact that laws were broken, then this kind of crap is going to continue. And eventually, we're going to see this happening in ways that are going to start affecting common, everyday citizens. It's going to be too late to do anything about it then, boys and girls. So we need to stand up, and we need to do something about it now. <clears throat> at, the, uh, at the apex of this story, we're going to have to separate these two, because they are two separate issues. At this point, should we continue investigating uh, possible Russian collusion with the Trump administration? 
before I would have said no at this point, I, I change it to yes just because we need to shut people up about it. We need to go ahead and release it. I mean, we've already had almost every major intelligence gathering organization that this country employs, the entirety of the alphabet soup. They have come forward and said there's nothing to it. However, the investigation continues at the behest of the Trump administration because of the allegations of wiretapping. Now, let's get this straight. We're not talking about physical wiretapping. Since the digital age began, wiretapping is still a generic term used to reference electronic surveillance of a multitude of fashions. So if you want to be that specific and make that your justification for ignoring what Donald Trump says on this issue, then you're the one being closed-minded and silly. And yes, it is silly. It is absolutely ridiculous to say, well, who said wiretapping? And then that means that if you find any other electronic surveillance that's not exactly legal, that we should just ignore it, that that should be okay, because Donald said wiretapping? That's absurd. It's childish. <laughs> it's downright stupid, is really what it is. There was some level of electronic surveillance that is taking place at Trump Tower simply because part of the conversations that were captured with General Flynn took place while he was at Trump Tower. Now, does that mean it was Trump Tower itself that was being surveyed? No. Not directly, but it does mean that there was some surveillance that took place while people were there. Therefore, this statement is close enough to true that you need to be concerned about it. Close enough to true. Close enough to true. When you speak Donald Trump speak, when you speak the New York exaggerated hyperbole speak that Donald Trump still does, you're supposed to take him seriously, just don't take him literally. And understand, legal lines were crossed during this event. But like I said, at this point, should we continue the investigation at this point? Yes, but just, just because we want to put this to bed. And we do still want to come across the information, if it can be discovered as to whether or not the Obama administration did actively seek to surveil the campaign as opposed to just the Russian agents in question. Because if they made that switch, then they, without proper warrants, broke the law. The law-breaking and the Russian interference in the election they are two separate issues. We need to separate them, and we need to take them both seriously. We need to move forward, and we need to take care of business. Okay. Going to take another quick break, and then when we get back, let's talk a little bit about Neil Gorse, shall we? Stay with me. I'll be right back.
ladies and gentlemen, I am back. Thanks for staying with me. Uh, okay, got to learn to hit the right button, I guess. <laughs> All right, um, let's talk a little about about Neil Gorch, shall we? For a little bit, I was actually thinking about uh, titling today's broadcast The Democrats and Their, uh, <laughs> their Gorched Earth Policy. Um, you know, they tried so hard this past week to to justify not supporting Neil Gorch as the next Supreme Court justice. Uh, all week long, every question that was thrown at him from Democrats, Judge Gorch handled himself in a fashion which was most becoming a, a federal court judge. I had talked previously and in last week's broadcast to talk specifically about how being a judge is a tough job if you're doing it right. Because if you're doing it right, you have to detach your personal feelings. You can't let ideology cloud your judgment when it comes to hearing a case. You have to be willing to put your personal feelings aside. You have to be able to listen to both sides of the argument that's being presented to you, determine which parts of those arguments are relevant to the case and which are just window dressing meant to distract you, dismiss the parts that aren't relevant, weigh the parts that are, and then apply the law to your final decision. I think every single time that Judge Gorge answered a question this past week, he demonstrated that that's exactly what he tries to do. Now, I say try because, you know, I, I have not taken the time, I have not had the time, to go back and look at every single one of his rulings uh, since he became a federal judge, or even before he was a federal judge. You know, I... I hadn't had time. There's thousands, thousands of cases at this point in his career. I do believe he's been very consistent. I believe he has expressed in the past, looking at several, looking at several of these cases, he's expressed after the fact that personally he doesn't care for the rulings he had to render, but they were informed by the law. And in a multitude of cases, and he even made it clear a couple of times to certain Democratic lawmakers that uh, if they wanted to change some of those laws, he would be uh, very supportive of that idea. He'd be first in line to have them uh, change that law. But that's actually something that's in their authority to do, not his. So what did he do? Did we learn anything new about... Uh, Judge Gorch this past week? Well, we did learn that he's pretty cool under fire, but if you knew him before now, you probably already knew that. We learned that uh, he's not easily intimidated uh, by... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. People who hold elected office. But again, if you already knew him, I'm guessing you already knew that too. Ultimately, we didn't learn anything new about Judge Gorch. Now, if you weren't familiar with him at all, maybe you did learn something new because you hadn't learned anything about him before. And if that was the case, okay. I was somewhat familiar with Judge Gorch from a couple of cases that we've talked about in the past. But I certainly was nowhere near an ex expert, haven't followed his career or anything like that. But uh, from everything that I've seen, it's pretty consistent that this is who he is. He didn't fall into any traps. He didn't walk into any landmines. He didn't answer any questions. And he didn't offer up to tell them how he would rule on specific ideological grounds. Because he knows, and he made this quite clear, that you don't decide a case on ideological grounds. You solve it on what's in front of you. You know, unlike certain federal judges in Hawaii who seem to think that campaign rhetoric is a reason to grant a temporary restraining order, not the what's in the restraining order, not what's in the executive order itself, not the legal document standing in front of you that you're reading, but your idea of what someone meant when they were campaigning for the office, you know, ideological ground. Now, Judge Gortz, he made it quite clear that he fully intends on continuing to be the kind of judge he's always been. And that, I'm afraid, as much as anything, is the real reason the Democrats don't like him. I mean, not one opposed him being appointed to the federal court. But to put him on the Supreme Court, to put him there to try and counterbalance the emotional pleas of Sonia Sotomayor. To try and talk sense to counter the hatred of the Constitution of a Ruth Bader Ginsburg. To be a counterbalance to Cagle. To possibly even be a a voice of reason and compared to a John Roberts who has occasionally went off the conservative reservation and well, you know, I don't want my support Supreme Court justices to be political ideologues. I don't want them to be partisan. I want them to be down the middle and to make their rulings based on the Constitution and any laws that are on the books that are constitutional. There's no question that Neil 
Gorsuch is exactly that kind of a judge. And he's made that very clear. He he went through the hearings this past week with flying colors. I and mean, he embarrassed, embarrassed the likes of certain uh, California senator by the name of Dianne Feinstein. But you see, Chucky Schumer, in his infinite wisdom, has um, made the announcement over the weekend that uh, he'll have to earn the 60 votes for cloture. <laughs> well, Chuck, I'm actually afraid. I think he already has, quite honestly. You take one hard look at his track record, and you take one hard look at how he responded to your questions. He did exactly what a Supreme Court justice should do. And I have no question and no doubt in my mind that this guy is exactly the kind of guy that we need on the Supreme Court bench. See, the Democrats made it quite clear, though. They, they don't like him. They were opposed to him just because Donald Trump nominated him. They hate Judge Gorsuch just as much as they hate Donald Trump, and only, only because Donald Trump nominated him. If Barack Obama had nominated him, which Barack Obama would have never nominated someone who actually still believes in the Constitution, but if he had... Well, then we'd be having a very different discussion from the fine folks on the left, wouldn't we? At the end of the day, this guy did exactly what he's supposed to do. He went into this confirmation hearing, and he knocked it out of the park. He did a fantastic job. And I think, before it's all said and done, when this does go to a vote, first of all, the Democrats love to threaten a filibuster but they very rarely like to actually try to do it. In fact, their idea of a filibuster, well, it's not exactly the same as if Ted Cruz is on the floor of the Senate. You know, an actual filibuster. Neither here nor there, though, boys and girls. The bottom line is a simple one. I really think that, uh, that Neil Gorsuch, is going to be the next Supreme Court Justice. I think he's going to uh, get to the floor vote, and once he gets to the floor vote, I think he's easily going to have it. But uh, Chuck Schumer has sworn he's going to do everything in his power to try and stop him, try and slow him down, try and make it difficult. Once again, demonstrating the fact that uh, they're not really interested in the law they're not really interested in justice. They're interested in utilizing the Supreme Court as a tool to get their way when they can't get it through Congress. That's what they want. That's the kind of judge they want in place. Now, this is not a surprise to anyone. I'm not making some grand revelation. Uh, the arena crowd out there is not going to be cheering it for having heard something for the first time. Uh, but uh, there's no question, there's no doubt, this is exactly what they have done. They set the stage. You can listen to Chuck Schumer himself. With everything that he just told you, he's made it quite clear that's what he's about, 
That's what this is about. And they want to try and stop Judge Gorsuch. Gorch. Want to try and stop Judge Gorch. Because he's not like them. That's all. That's it. All right. Uh, okay. Kind of sad. Just looking through some stuff real quick. So uh, please apologize me as I... Please apologize me. Uh, please let me apologize while I uh, get things squared away here and take care of a couple of housekeeping issues as we move on to the next topic. And of course, part of that is waiting for uh, my computer to catch up with me. One of these cases where maybe I should have just played a little music. Uh, <laughs> actually, at this point, I'm thinking maybe I should. This is taking quite a while here. Yeah, okay. Uh, dead air is a beautiful thing. Da, 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 da. If I had any sponsors, I could be playing ads right now. <laughs> All right, let's just jump right into the headlines you may have missed. I've got a follow-up story to go with. Uh, both of these stories also kind of fit into the culture war segments, as uh, there is a significant aspect to the culture wars. Find myself. Uh, place here <laughs> and of course still not getting there yeah I really should put them so um, here's the deal first headline that you may have missed and it because we are talking about preserving our culture Lots of times we're talking about transgender issues, same-sex marriage issues, and things of that nature. <clears throat> but sometimes just matters of common decency uh, fit into the bell. And uh, this past week, <clears throat> still trying to clear my throat, sorry. This past week, Fort Collins, Colorado picked up the mantle of fighting for our culture. Uh, the city uh, plans to appeal a federal judge's decision to block the city's ban on women appearing topless in public. Attorneys representing the city this past Tuesday notified the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals in Denver. Okay, now...
Yeah, this is awesome. Okay, everything is coming back up slowly. I think I'm still connected. Let me check. Okay, yeah, it looks like I'm still connected. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Uh, wow. <clears throat> anyway, as I was saying before the odd interruption, attorneys representing the city of uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, back on this past Tuesday, notified the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals in Denver that they will appeal a preliminary injunction granted in February by the U.S. District Court Judge R. Brooke Jackson that blocks a section of the city's public nudity law. In granting the preliminary injunction, Brooks stated that he would likely rule in favor of members of the group Free the Nipple, who sued the city claiming the ordinance violated, get this, the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution by discriminating against women. Uh, Brett Hoagland and Sam Six, yeah, that's his name, Sam Six, are seeking a permanent injunction against the city's topless ban. Uh, the appeal will be considered by a three-judge panel that will review the record of the case, as well as written briefs and possibly hear oral arguments before issuing its decision. This according to the public relations coordinator for the city, David Young. Uh, Young also said, quote, we are seeking a higher court's review of the district court's decision in light of the existing case law related to the legal issue. Now, the timeline for the court to hear the case and to make a decision is not clear at the moment, but Denver attorney David Lane, whose firm is representing Hoagland and Six, said that the city doesn't have much of a chance with its appeal. Kind of smug, isn't he? <laughs> they're wasting a tremendous amount of taxpayer money to hide from female breasts. Yeah, smug and now snarky, too. Ooh, you're afraid of breasts. At any rate, in his ruling, uh, Jackson stated that he was not impressed with the city's arguments that the ordinance was needed to maintain public order and protect children. Uh, it also, I'm sorry, the city also noted that the law is not unique and that uh, many Fort Collins residents would be upset if the law were struck down. Quote, unfortunately, our history is littered with many forms of discrimination, including discrimination against women. As the barriers have come down one by one, some people have been made uncomfortable. This was Jackson in his statement, the, the judge in this case. In our system, however, the Constitution prevails over popular sentiment. Really? Pretty sure the Constitution doesn't say that uh, men or women have the right to go around topless. Jackson also noted uh, that other courts across the country have supported arguments similar to those offered by Fort Collins regarding whether women may appear topless in public. The issue is about equal rights for women, he said. After much thought, I have concluded that going out on this lonely limb is the right thing to do. I have no more right to fall back on the way we've always done it 
than others who have reassessed their thinking. Yeah, that was the Judge Jackson again. Um, okay, so let's say on you may have missed. What I want to know is how this becomes a federal issue in the first place. Yeah, I, I'm looking through this. This is uh, on USA Today, in case you're still trying to find it. Uh, and, of course, I have a link to it at the Tap Into the Truth Facebook page. So you're welcome to check it out there as well. But, uh, you know, the whole nine here is we're talking about a couple of people who filed this lawsuit. Because the city ordinance says that uh, women are not permitted to just expose their breasts in public. Now, I think that there are some reasonable exceptions to why this should be an issue. And I, I don't necessarily think that we should um, criminalize being topless just because you were being topless. but. You know, if you're being lewd, and if you're doing this in proximity to certain types of institutions like daycares and schools where pre-adolescent children may be, then I do think that there is a separate set of rules that need to be applied. But ultimately, once again, I will say that nowhere in the Constitution does it specifically say that men or women have a constitutional right to go around topless or to have uh, clothes either way. So a lot of that we've kind of taken upon ourselves. As such, this is one of those rights that expressly falls to the people. This isn't an equal rights issue. This isn't a equal protection under the law issue. This is a public decency issue. If you're going to be in public, then you need to at least pay some umbrage, some acknowledgement to society's rules. And if we're talking about polite society, if we're talking about being indifferent towards polite society, then... Uh, being properly clothed is part of that. Now, we've already went a long way towards letting folks um, kind of do what they want. The dress code for the nation is kind of lax. But there was a time when we didn't have to pass an ordinance saying that women shouldn't be going around topless in public. It was, well, dare I say it, common sense. It was a situation, a circumstance where the person, the individual's personal modesty would have never permitted it, let alone the idea that society at large might possibly have an issue with it. Now, I'm sure that there are a lot of guys that think it's just super cool that, hey, these women are going to go around topless. Woo! Yeah, okay. <laughs> Whatever, guys. But at the end of the day, this question comes back to why would you want to? Especially in Colorado. I, yeah, summer in Colorado can be nice, but 
it tends to stay kind of cold for the non-summer months in Colorado. <laughs> so I would think more clothing would be better. I would actually think that outside of late spring and, and summertime in Colorado, you'd probably have to pass an order, ordinance requiring women to wear less clothing than the one preventing women from going around topless. I, just none of this makes sense to me. But, you know, they fight these battles in places where they think they can win it. This judge, like, unfortunately, a lot of judges, doesn't seem to understand what equal protection under the law really means. It certainly isn't intended to protect women and the right to expose their breasts in public. So free the nipple, uh, a lot like freedom from religion, is an honest-to-goodness group, and they go around the country, and they try and stir up trouble, and, you know, here they go again. So there's a headline that you may have missed. And as you can see, it does kind of fall into the, uh, the culture wars as well. But here's today's culture war segment, and this is one that actually uh, I found kind of interesting. This uh, from Friday. A Pennsylvania high schooler sues over transgender in the locker room. Now, this one kind of going in the opposite direction of where we've heard all the legal battles going previously. So the culture war... Uh, you know, it's not just being fought on one uh, battlefield, and it's certainly not being fought by just one or two people. Both sides are involved. At any rate, a Pennsylvania high school student is suing his school district for allegedly forcing him to share a locker room with a transgender student and threatening him for complaining about the situation. The lawsuit filed in federal district court this past Tuesday by the Alliance Defending Freedom and the Independence Law Center alleges that the student, a junior at Boyertown Area Senior High School, was shocked one day last fall when he began to disrobe in the boys' locker room only to find himself in the company of another student in shorts and a bra. Ba -ba -ba. Hey, why wasn't she topless? Uh, and that was, oh, well, we're not in Colorado. Okay, we changed stories, didn't we? At any rate, the other student, it turns out, is a girl who, biology notwithstanding, identifies as male and had recently begun the process of gender transition. According to the complaint, the male student, identified as Joel Doe, experienced immediate confusion and embarrassment, humiliation, and loss of dignity upon finding himself in this circumstance, and quickly put his clothes on and left the locker room. All right, so obviously the guy, uh, maybe he has some self-image issues. Uh, <laughs> I... I <sighs> See, here's part of the problem. I hear the story, and I want to joke about it. But actually, you know, this isn't a joking matter. It's really not. And everything that the people on the left complain about trying to protect the rights of transgenders uh, on this, they still continue to ignore the fact that non-transgender people also have rights. Uh, 
They have the rights to privacy. They have the right to be able to change in these locker rooms without feeling as though that somehow they're being watched or ogled or, you know, and again, oh, well, obviously the, the transgender girl identifying as a boy would, would not do that. But it doesn't change how you make the other people feel. And we keep running into this issue where yes, publicly compared to privately. In private situations, it doesn't matter what you do. In public situations, it does matter. You have your rights, but everyone else has their rights too. And they continue to ignore that. Well, here, they're going to have to be able to explain it. We'll see how things go. At any rate, <clears throat> the story continues. Uh, he and some classmates spoke to the assistant principal about the matter, uh, according to the lawsuit, but uh, their concerns were, be were rebuffed because the district was bowing to the Obama administration's 2016 demand that schools allow students to use the locker rooms and restrooms of their choice. It had not, however, notified the student body or the parents of the policy change. So they changed the policy, but they didn't tell anybody really? Then how did this transgender girl identifying as a guy know? I mean, they had to tell somebody, right? Anyway, instead, Joel Doe was told to <clears throat> tolerate the situation and make it as natural as he possibly could. At least this is what the plaintiff alleges. Adding that uh, school officials told him, uh, quote, that anything less would be intolerant and bullying against students who profess a gender identity with the opposite sex. Now, these actions, according to the complaint, marginalized and shamed Joel Doe and unlawfully attempted to coerce and intimidate Joel Doe into accepting continuing violations of his bodily privacy. The school's transgender policy has caused Joel Doe to stop using both the locker rooms and the restrooms during the school day for fear of another encounter with a student of the opposite sex. Again, this is what the lawsuit says. Uh, also, this in turn has caused him to fail gym class for refusing to change clothes and to be distracted in various classes by the need to use the bathroom. Mm, poor guy. The complaint also alleges, oh, they're not done yet, hold on to your hat, folks, that the school, quote, further marginalized, intimidated, and shamed Joel Doe by informing the principal of the vocational technical school he attends of his objection to the transgender policy, after which the school's principal pulled him out of class and stated, <clears throat> quote, he wanted to make sure none of that negativity was going to happen at his school. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help but laugh. Now, Joel Dole's guardians met with both the assistant principal and the principal of the high school and were told essentially the same thing as Joel Doe was. According to the lawsuit, and I'm saying that a lot, although the men said that the boy could change clothes in the school nurse's office if he so desired. 
a meeting with the school district superintendent, uh, Dr. Richard uh, Faradley. Faradley. Well, it's, that meeting changed nothing. And uh, even though the superintendent is alleged to have told the guardians that if uh, Joel Doe was unhappy with the policy, he could, quote, just withdraw from school and be homeschooled. Now, the plaintiff is seeking to have the policy overturned on the grounds that it violates traditional privacy norms. Well, that's not going to work, but uh, good luck trying. State law requiring sex-segregated locker rooms and restrooms in schools. And, get this, Title IX of the Federal Education Amendments of 1972, which prohibits sexual harassment in schools. Ironically, if you'll recall, it's Title IX. It's the very statute under which the Obama administration presumed to dictate this pro-transgender bathroom policy in the first place. And that's kind of what I'm liking about this is the Title IX, like I said then when we were having this conversation. Well, I mean, we talked in depth about Title IX. I don't know if you'll if you recall that or not. We talked uh, quite a bit about it, and we talked even then. I pointed out that Title IX actually would be a good argument against the transgender bathroom deal. I think he might have uh, a pretty good case on this one. We'll just see what judge he ends up in front of. Uh, he's also seeking unspecified monetary damages. Hmm. Well, you know, it's our school system. Why not? I'm thinking, if the superintendent really did tell him that he could just withdraw from school and be homeschooled, maybe he's got some grounds to hit these guys up for a pretty penny. At any rate, <clears throat> quote, no school should rob any student of his legally protected personal privacy. That's from the ILC chief counsel. Randall Wagner, uh, he continued saying, quote, We trust that our children won't be forced into emotionally vulnerable situations like this when they are in the care of our schools, because it's a school's duty to protect and respect the bodily privacy and dignity of all students. In this case, school officials are clearly ignoring that duty. You know what, Mr. Wagner, I would agree with you uh, to a degree, but at the same time, your argument's falling on deaf ears. You have a so-called progressive agenda that's coming just at you at light speed, and it's about to hit you dead on, and the best that you can hope for is to be just something across the track trying to derail the train. You're probably not going to win this argument because the argument's already been won in the court of public opinion. Or has it? You know, we just automatically assume that acceptance is what we're supposed to do. We just automatically believe that it's wrong to have any kind of feelings that are anti whatever minority group of the week we're trying to persecute. Oh, that's so bad. You're an evil person. You're a bigot. 
in truth, your argument is completely legitimate. And the fact that they offered the secondary bathroom to change in, doesn't that sound an awful lot like what uh, several school systems have tried to do to accommodate their transgendered students? Allowing them access to teachers' bathrooms? and But that was never good enough for them. <clears throat> Which now leads to the question of why should that be good enough for anyone else? Are they clearly ignoring that duty? Yes, but you see, that duty only applies to whatever protected group they're trying to protect. Your client is just some guy. Some guy that obviously doesn't have a great deal of self-image, because if he did, he would be proud to disrobe in front of this person in the locker room. Is that what we're supposed to believe? Suddenly it's just okay. This kid actually sounds like he has some of that modesty that I was discussing in the earlier story. It's funny, though, you, the more you talk about it, the more you find out that a lot of folks uh, that tend to embrace the so-called progressive political mindset tend to not have a lot of personal modesty. It's interesting. Anyway, likewise, the ADF legal counsel, uh, Kelly uh, Fuxdoric, I think that's the pronunciation, uh, as close as I'm going to get. <laughs> anyway, uh, the ADF legal counsel said, quote, Our laws and customs have long recognized that we shouldn't have to undress in front of persons of the opposite sex. But now some schools are forcing our children into giving up their privacy rights, even though, in this case, Pennsylvania law requires schools to have separate facilities on the basis of sex. On Wednesday, super in, the superintendent issued a statement saying that the uh, district, quote, contests the claims and will appropriately respond and defend its actions which is what you would expect the superintendent to say, right? I know I would. And at any rate, the district, uh, he added, quote, is firmly committed through our words and our actions to treating every student and member of our community with respect, dignity, and sensitivity in accordance with all applicable laws. Okay, well, I'm going to have to call BS on that because we've already seen Pennsylvania state law requires separate sex bathrooms and locker rooms. The reason for that requirement is so that guys don't end up in the same place with the girls. Especially once you get to high school level, bad things happen. Now, some of these bad things are already happening and they're going to happen anyway, but you don't have an open invitation to it. You don't create scenarios like this, and then you don't have to worry about scenarios like this. Tolerance is one thing. The embracing of stupidity is another. And I'm afraid, doctor, doctor of education, that is, 
that if you want to treat people with respect, dignity, and sensitivity in accordance with all acceptable laws, you have boys in the boys' room, girls in the girls' room, and if that's not good enough for the student, then you offer that individual student that third option. Not the student that's actually behaving in accordance with all acceptable laws. Now, the good doctor also, doctor of education that is, stated that the district was complying with the law of the land at the time the policy was instituted. But that's not exactly the truth, is it, doctor? Because we're not talking about the law of anything. We're talking about the Obama administration's guidance. It's guidance based on its interpretation of Title IX. It was a threat. It was an excuse to let left-leaning morons like yourself play with the social mentality of the fabric of your school system. To further indoctrinate our children as opposed to letting them grow up and deal with these things of their own accord. Now, the Obama administration's guidance was not law, and it was uh, far from settled for that matter. In fact, it's already been rescinded under the current president. You know why? Because that rescinding of the guidance was based on an executive order, which does not have authority of law. In a case like this, the law of the land is your Pennsylvania state law. So, again, sorry, Doctor of Education, Mr. Superintendent, sir. With all due respect, either you don't understand what you're saying, or you're flat out lying. Now, he also acknowledged that the Trump administration has since rescinded the policy, but stated that a recent federal court ruling in Pennsylvania is now guiding his district's policy. Yet, that decision, the one he was referencing, merely allowed one school district's similar transgender policy to stand while it was being challenged in court. That hardly requires other districts to freeze their policies as well. One starts to kind of get the impression here that the good doctor of education and his district simply used the guidance and is now using the ruling as a fig leaf for maintaining its commitment to transgender Zionists. Superintendent also claimed that the school offered Joel Doe, quote, reasonable and appropriate alternatives to changing in the boys' locker room. Though the student alleges that uh, he was only given the option of changing in the nurse's office. Similarly, oh, you know, like I already mentioned, Elijah Bird. Executive Director of the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network told the Associated Press that while she doesn't believe a transgender in a boy's locker room constitutes sexual harassment, if that situation makes another student uncomfortable, there is a common-sense legal remedy of providing separate accommodations such as a single occupancy or staff restroom and locker room 
to the student who feels uncomfortable. Well, how about this? How about the student causing the discomfort to use that? Now, the irony, of course, is that the proponents of opening up sex-segregated facilities to transgender students have argued that forcing such students to use separate accommodations is cruel. The attorney for Virginia transgender student uh, Gavin Grimm, in suing to overturn Grimm's school policy requiring students with gender, gender identity issues, I love that quote, by the way, gender identity issues, to use single-stall unisex toilets, maintained that separate facilities, if they chose not to use those of the biological sex, is appropriately, hmm, I'm sorry, is apparently a horrific miscarriage of justice. Think about that for a second. A horrific miscarriage of justice, but forcing the overwhelming majority of students to do so if they adhere to norms that existed from creation until a year or two ago, well, that seems perfectly acceptable. I don't know. What do you think? Joel Doe surely deserves to prevail in court. And just a few years ago, he probably would have done so easily. At that time, however, such a lawsuit would not even have been necessary. This situation wouldn't have happened. But today, when girls can, in the eyes of many, become boys just by identifying as such, the suit's success is far from certain. As ILC Senior Counsel Jeremy Schmerich, Schmerich observed, quote, It's regrettable that a student would have to go to court to ensure his well-established privacy rights aren't tossed aside. So, obviously, this is part of their culture wars. This is also an easily an outrage of the week. We're talking about an honest-to-goodness situation where the very things that these people have argued against and have fought against is what they're claiming is an acceptable alternative. But it's not an acceptable alternative for their side. It's an acceptable alternative for the other side. It's an acceptable alternative for the straight folks. They're the ones who should have to hide in a closet or should have to go to a single stall bathroom. Well, how about this? How about we actually just go ahead and turn all of the public bathrooms and schools and locker rooms into single stall? 
Would that be a good solution? Can we make that assertion? Can we? In my mind, this argument's simple. If you are part of a very small percentage of people that disagrees with your chromosome count, then you should be the one who has to make accommodations in public. Period. No guidance from Barack Obama. No executive order. No ruling from a court will change the common sense. And that's what we need, is a return to common sense. So stay with me. I'll be right back. There is a place that you can hide Under your bed at night Stay out of sight There is a tree that you can climb Grab on to the vine hmm. Don't I hope that vine is the freedom vine And I hope that place that we can hide Is a good place to hide Because we need to find one I mean, Seriously, is that not one of the craziest stories That you've ever heard? I still find myself in total shock and amazement so at any rate, that's the culture war story for this week. Real quick now, uh, I actually have extra time when I broadcast from here, so I'm not really in a hurry, so I find myself lagging and <laughs> taking longer uh, than I normally do. So at any rate, uh, this next story is uh, Outrage of the Week segment. Uh, seems that a former DNC uh, official partnered up with a convicted bomb maker in order to investigate Trump. I can't make this up, but this is where it's gone to. A former official with the Democratic National Committee has worked in recent months with a convicted domestic terrorist turned activist known as the Speedway Bomber to gather information on Donald Trump. The work culminated in Washington, D.C., meeting uh, in December between ex-DNC operative Alexandria, I'm sorry, excuse me, Alexandria Chalupa, uh, Chalupa, and that is actually the name Chalupa, I'm pronouncing it correctly, uh, the convicted bomber, Brett Kimberlin, and a South African-born Israeli man named Yoni Ariel. Yeah, it gets real interesting after that. Now, Ariel <clears throat> is not the South African-born Israeli man's name. Nope, the real name is Jonathan uh, Swarowitz. Uh, now, this group traveled to Washington, D.C. to brief uh, Chalupa. Uh, I'm not making this up either. This is not fake news. <laughs> Believe it or not, this is real. I'm, I kid you not. I, I have verified the story. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, Swarowitz uh, went to Washington, D.C., to brief uh, Chalupa and uh, Kimberlin on his knowledge of Russia's activities during the campaign. 
Atalupa, an activist of Ukrainian heritage who is strongly opposed to Trump, also directed Ariel to the Justice Department, according to certain sources. Now, these same sources also uh, said that very little came of the meeting. Ariel's connections to Kimberlin was first reported by BuzzFeed News uh, roughly about a week and a half ago uh, through Chalupa's uh, involvement with the bomber activist uh, is a new revelation, however. According to BuzzFeed, Ariel flew to Rome on the uh, third week of January to purchase a set of documents purportingly to show that ExxonMobil CEO Rick Tillerson paid Trump's company more than $1.5 billion in June, seemingly to secure the position of Secretary of State in Trump's administration. Ariel paid $9,000 for the documents, which included copies of wire transfers and bank documents laying out a transaction involving ExxonMobil, and a Chinese mining company. After receiving the documents from a source unnamed in the report, BuzzFeed determined that the documents were part of an elaborate hoax, surprise, surprise, involving shady businessmen, Italian diplomats, Democratic operatives, Kimberlin, and Ariel. Ariel, believing that the papers were legitimate, informed Kimberlin about the documents, and the convict agreed to pay for the Israelis' three flights to Rome to procure them. Kimberlin also paid the $9,000 asking price. Ariel gave the documents to Kimberlin, and according to BuzzFeed, they were pitched to numerous outlets, including Bloomberg, The Washington Post, and The New York Times, by an unidentified associate of Kimberlin's. Uh, Chalupa is not named in the BuzzFeed report, and Ariel did not discuss the fake papers with her. Instead, Chalupa met with the... I'm sh she's Ukrainian. I'm sure that's not the proper pronunciation, but that is the spelling here. Chalupa. Chalupa. I keep saying that, and I now want to go to Taco Bell for some reason. I'm not doing a Taco Bell ad, I swear. Anyway... Chalupa <laughs> met with Ariel to discuss Russia's involvement in cyber attacks during the presidential campaign, a topic on which she had been heavily focused for months. Yes, again, because the Democrats can't believe that Hillary Clinton was just a bad candidate. I think I already had that conversation today. Ariel was put in touch with Chalupa through uh, an official with uh, Democrats Abroad, a group affiliated with the DNC that organizes. Uh, expatriates. Wow. Quote, I can neither confirm nor deny that I met with whom I met. <laughs> uh, this was Ariel uh, in a phone interview from Israel. Uh, even though there were two separate sources that have uh, independently confirmed that the meeting did occur. The Chalupa-Kimberlin connection is surprising given that both her prominent position in the DNC and her status as a convicted felon. I'm sorry, his status as a convicted felon. Indeed, Ariel was surprised that someone formerly with the DNC would work with him. I had no idea of Brett's background until BuzzFeed's article, and when I read it, I was sort of surprised. Really? Seriously? 
<laughs> Quote, my initial thought, why the hell are the DNC people dealing with a guy like this? Really? Hello, I'm running around using an alias, trying to get people to pay for a document that's I probably should have known was forged, and trying to get them to pay for me to fly to Rome. Three times I got them to do this, and I've got the nerve to question who these people are associating with. Really? Anyway, Kimberlin earned his nickname, the Speedway Bomber, by setting off a string of bombs in Speedway, Indiana, in 1973. Now, nobody died from the blast, so, you know, that makes it okay. <laughs> One Vietnam veteran had his leg amputated due to injuries suffered during the bombing, however. So, ah, uh, he's bad. Uh, Carl DeLong was uh, the victim of that. Sadly, he committed suicide back in 1983. So the guy did kind of die as a result of that. And all reports is he just lost the will to go on after he lost his leg. Uh, I'm sorry, you set off bombs. People are going to get hurt, no matter how careful you try to be. This guy was a domestic terrorist. Not the first domestic terrorist that the DNC has been in bed with. Let's us not forget Barack Obama's best friend. Proud leadership among the Weather Underground. And the probable actual author of Barack Obama's autobiographies. Anyway... <laughs> Kimberlin, uh, who is now in his early 60s, served 17 years in prison for the bombing spree. He gained more notoriety in prison after he uh, concocted a story about having once sold marijuana to then-Vice President Dan Quell. The story was propagated by Cody uh, Scherer, a political operative who works for the uh, Clintons in the 1990s. Uh, Scherer uh, I remember uh, that story now that uh, thinking about it, I really hadn't thought about Cody in a long time there. Anyway, after being released from prison, Kimberlin has battled conservative activists who have drawn attention to his newfound career as a left-wing operative. Really. Kimberlin now works on various voter rights initiatives, including in the Ukraine. As for Choluba, she <clears throat> has served in several roles for the DNC while also working as a pro-Ukraine activist, a former staffer in the Bill Clinton White House, and Choluba has worked as executive director for Democrats Abroad in the, in the 2000s and as head of the DNC's National Ethnic Outreach Group during the 2016 campaign. In her spare time, she's organized social media campaigns against Trump. <gasps> oh, no. And one of those efforts <clears throat> encouraged activists to share the Twitter hashtag, uh, hashtag treasonous Trump. Well, there's some creative work for you right there. Uh, she's also the founder of the U.S. United with Ukraine Coalition in 2014. Also led the DNC's opposition reach into any Trump ties to Russia, according to an essay she recently published 
at medium. According to Politico, they reported back in January that she worked with the Ukrainian government to compile and disseminate research on links between Donald Trump, his campaign advisors, and the Russian government. To help spread that information, she relied on a, quote, network of sources in Kiev and Washington, including investigative journalists, government officials, and private intelligence operatives. One of the investigative journalists uh, worked with uh, Yahoo News. I am not impressed. Now the story goes on and it talks a lot about how this Chalupa chick is basically just a never-Trumper, a Trump hater. She's really bought into the Trump is Russia and we hate Russia uh, mentality here. But, uh, you know, I really just, I don't get how it is that it's just okay for these folks to, uh, to jump on board something like this, associate themselves with domestic terrorists, and then move on. Uh, well, just move along. Nothing to see here. No big deal here. Just keep going. Just keep going. It's insane. Absolutely insane. Okay, another quick hit. We gotta get some more of these news stories talked about. Uh, it's, this one uh, is actually a leftover from uh, the last show. I did not get to it, and then when Wednesday night didn't happen, uh, well, obviously didn't get to it then. But in case you've been under a rock and haven't heard, it seems that uh, Trump administration has decided speed up the deportation process. They've sent out additional immigration judges and they've sent them out to 12 different U.S. cities to try and speed up the process. The uh, deal here, the U.S. Uh, Justice Department is developing plans to temporarily reassign immigration judges from around the country to 12 cities in particular to speed up deportations of illegal immigrants who have been charged with crimes according to two administration officials. Now, how many judges will be reassigned and when will they be sent is still under review, according to the officials, but the Justice Department has begun soliciting volunteers for the deployment, meaning, hey, you guys want to help us out in these places? Uh, the targeted cities, of course, if you were wondering, are New York, Los Angeles, Miami, New Orleans, San Francisco, Baltimore, Bloomington, uh, that's in Minnesota, by the way, Bloomington, Minnesota. Uh, Texas is, has El Paso, Harlington, uh, and then uh, Imperial, California, Omaha, Nebraska, and Phoenix, Arizona. These locations were chosen because they are cities which have high populations of illegal immigrants with criminal charges pending court cases. A spokesperson for the Justice Department's Executive Office of Immigration Review, which of course is who's responsible for administering immigration courts, confirmed that the cities have been identified as likely recipients of reassigned immigration judges, but did not elaborate on the planning. The plan to intensify deportation is a line with a vow made frequently 
by President Donald Trump on the campaign trail last year to deport more illegal immigrants involved in crime. So, the Department of Homeland Security asked for judges to be reshuffled, which is an unusual move given that immigration courts are administered by the Department of Justice. Uh, a Homeland Security spokesperson declined to comment on any plan that has not yet been finalized. Under the executive order signed by Trump in January, illegal immigrants with pending criminal cases are regarded as priorities for deportation, whether they've been found guilty or not. That is a departure, of course, from former occupier of the White House, Barack Hussein al-Akbar Obama's policy, which prioritized deportation only of those convicted of serious crimes. So the Donald is once again trying to keep campaign promises, and he's doing so by trying to make sure that uh, we speed up the deportation process. Some of these cities, I find somewhat surprising that uh, they even have courts in them, at least immigration courts, because they are definitely, definitely against them. All right. I hit this one last week as well, did not get to it. Uh, falls back under the uh, category of uh, our wonderful uh, culture wars. Seems that a new study here in the U.S. says that gay people are not born that way and that sexual orientation is not fixed. I saw the story and I kept thinking to myself, uh, actually, this doesn't really settle any of the arguments. But uh, at any rate, the issue of sexual orientation has been very controversial issue since uh, nations in the West began to recognize gays, lesbians, bisexuals, and transgender rights. Uh, funny, I just thought we would call them human rights and move on, but no, that's not good enough for the left. Must have labels, more and more labels. An important part of the current LGBT debate is, of course, the belief that sexual orientation is predetermined by biology. Really? Therefore, if a person has no choice over whether or not to be gay, society cannot demand that he or she become straight. I didn't realize that that's where the argument was today. I know that was the argument in the 70s. And even in the early 80s, there was the uh, treatments in the camps that were intended to straighten these folks out. <laughs> Pun intended, although it wasn't as funny as it sounded in my head. Sorry. any rate, this is a sound and reasonable argument. Indeed, society cannot force people to change from something they have no control over. Okay, I'd agree with that much. But on the other hand, the, quote, born in that way argument has been disputed by some people. In fact, uh, the latest cross-discipline study published in the journal New Atlantis has challenged that belief uh, in spades. In fact, the idea that human sexuality and gender identity are determined by biology and remains fixed is something that they are challenging greatly. The New Atlantis Journal focuses on political, <laughs> social, and ethical ramifications of technological advances. Uh, the study, carried out by two researchers from John Hopkins University in Baltimore, 
revealed that there is no scientific proof of sexual orientation being fixed. The researchers said the objective of their study is to draw the attention of the public to mental health problems of the LGBT community. The study cautioned against uh, drastic medical treatment for transgender children. According to the study, regardless of its political worth, the born-this-way notion by the LGBT community is not backed up by sufficient scientific data. But the study did not conclude or state that being gay is a choice. It merely said stating the opposite may be wrong. Uh, simple, easy to understand words here. Um, there's not enough evidence to make the claim. You want to say you were born that way? I'm just that way. That's how I was born. No, no. You, we're not going to let you say that because there's not enough evidence to back it up. Uh, that's really all it says. And unfortunately, leaves the whole transgender door wide open. And actually, it kind of makes a stronger argument for a transgender uh, being a real thing more so than uh, homosexuality. But at any rate, the study, which is a 144-page paper, it's written by Dr. Lawrence Mayer, uh, an epidemiologist, epidemiologist, blah, 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 easy for me to say, and a biostatistician, also trained in psychiatry, uh, spent more time in school than in the real world, sounds like, who is currently a scholar in residence at the Department of Psychi uh, Psychiatry. Psychiatry. I've been on air too long now. My tongue is no longer uh, moving the way it's supposed to in order to make sounds proper. English, good, not so much. Let's try again. Currently a scholar in residence at the Department of Psychiatry at John Hopkins School of Medicine. And Dr. Paul McHugh, who also co-wrote the paper, is a renowned psychiatrist, researcher, and educator and former chief of psychiatry at John Hopkins Hospital. Now, Dr. Meyer said that uh, many people who contributed to the study asked not to be identified. The anonymity they requested is to protect them from a potential backlash from those who would disagree with the study. And he admitted the study may stir controversy among both pro and anti-LGBT people. Funny how he puts it the pro and the anti-people. Quote, Some feared an angry response from a more militant element of the LGBT community. Others feared an angry response from the more strident elements of religiously conservative communities. Both bothersome, however, is that some feared reprisals from their own universities for engaging such controversial topics, regardless of the report's content. A sad statement about academic freedom. <laughs> wow. Just had to somehow make it all about him, didn't he? At any rate, the paper's three sections 
focused on sexual orientation, links between sexuality and mental health, and gender identity. Drawing on studies in fields varying from uh, neurobiology to social sciences, the researchers wrote, quote, The understanding of sexual orientation is an innate, biologically fixed property of human beings. The idea that people are born that way is not supported by scientific evidence. The study also stated that even the term sexual orientation itself is ambiguous. The term, according to the study, is used to describe attraction, behavior, or identity by different researchers. Sometimes the same term refers to things such as belonging to a certain community or having certain fantasies. Study also said, quote, it is important then that researchers are clear about which of these domains are being studied and that we keep in mind the researchers' specified definitions when we interpret their findings. Now, the researchers acknowledged that the study, uh, I'm sorry, it acknowledged in the study that there are biological factors associated with sexual behavior, but pointed out that there are no compelling causal biological explanations for human sexual orientation. For example, some studies have showed that there are differences in the brain structure of gay and straight people. But the study said the differences are not necessarily innate and may be the result of environmental or uh, psychological factors. Quote, the strongest statements that science offers to explain sexual orientation is that some biological factors appear to an unknown extent to predispose some individuals to a non-heterosexual orientation. Wow. Explaining further, the researchers revealed that LGBT individuals are statistically at greater risk of having mental health problems than the general population. They're not saying that because you're LGBT, you're crazy. But I know a lot of people will hear that statement and say, that's what they're saying. No, that's not what they're saying. But they are saying that your small group, by percentage, is at a greater risk. Okay, so don't overreact to the terminology here. The researchers revealed LGBT individuals are statistically... Doesn't mean you individually, but statistically, at greater risk of having mental health problems than the general population. The researchers said in the United States, for example, the rate of lifetime suicide attempts across all ages of transgender individuals, and we've talked about this before, is estimated at uh, roughly 41%, compared to under 5% in the overall population of the country. The usually accepted explanation for this social stress from discrimination and stigma. But the study said that those factors may not solely explain the disparity and that more scientific research is necessary. 
The paper also added that the notion that gender identity is fixed and determined by biological factors is also not backed up by data. More scientific data is also needed to back up this claim, according to the researchers. Now, there's a lot more to this story, and it goes on, but I, I think that's enough to really cover. Here we are facing the possibility of groundbreaking work being done in the study. But at the end of the day, all they really discovered is that uh, they don't know Jack. There's not enough evidence to support any statement that claiming to just be born that way may not be true. But they're not willing to say that it isn't. So, this paper, this research, this 144-page waste of academic time really comes around to being much ado about nothing. Shakespeare would be proud. This paper will be used to attack members of the LGBT community. This paper will also be used as an excuse for members of the LGBT community, the more militant parts, to attack straight people for once again, see what you're trying to do to us, you're trying to say we're all crazy. That's not what was said either. At the end of the day, though, this made its this article made its way around social media for a good part of the early part of this past week. And there are those who took it to heart without even reading the article or reading anything at all about the paper itself. So the problem with why we were always falling for fake news, the, the real fake news that existed before we started calling CNN fake news, which, you know, a lot of ways they are fake news, but that's another story. It's because we would read headlines, we'd fall for the clickbait, and then we would never actually read what was underneath it. Or we'd see a headline and then just share it, comment on what the headline said. But after taking a look at this, obviously there's just nothing really going on. Other than people are once again being put in their nice, neat little boxes with their awesome little labels, and we're being told that that's just the way it is. Well, the culture wars continue, my friends, and unfortunately, there are some people that are trying to provide ammunition to both sides, and they're only shooting blanks, and that's really all this is. Now, I will give them... Uh, at least the acknowledgement that they were completely upfront about what they came up with. They clearly admitted we had nothing concrete. We just, it's bubkis. Nothing. Nada. And that's all that was. All right, boys and girls, that's going to have to be it for today. I have rambled on long enough. I uh, want to thank everybody for listening. appreciate everybody. Thanks, uh, everybody at BTR. Thanks, everybody at Spreaker. Uh, everybody over at TuneIn.com, at Stitcher.com, uh, Podcast.com. Everybody, everywhere that's taking the time to listen after the fact. Thank you all. I appreciate it. Uh, today's broadcast of BTR preempted because of studio issues. Uh, broadcasting this, uploading this, this will be the show. I uh, hope everybody has a chance to listen. Uh, thank you. And uh, we'll be back uh, hopefully Wednesday. Uh, this past Wednesday did not happen. I 
situation has not been resolved yet, but I'm expecting that it will be. We'll see what happens. At any rate, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, to put in some work, to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Uh, that's it, everybody. Have a great week upcoming, and I'll see you again soon. I'm out.